this is Ross Payton with Roleplaying Public Radio, and this is RPPR episode 114, Create a Cthulhu. And with me, not as always, uh, Caleb, because uh, Tom is on vacation. Do I have to mock your advancer? You do. Or? You do you, and I'll do me. Okay. You, that so sounds you, good. You know, if it doesn't work with you, it doesn't work. So, you know, you need your own stuff. I've only known announcer voice. It's, <laughs> it's all I know. I know no other world. Exactly. I can't critique it. It is the air I breathe. This is like nice water today. What's water? Yeah. It says critical, this fish. It's getting really deep, like critical theory all of a sudden, like. Um, in so, Plato's cave, all we have is announcer voice. <laughs> all right. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be uh, using the horror role-playing game uh, Silent Legions to randomly generate some uh, Cthulian-esque uh, monsters, entities, gods, and whatnot. To Basically, the whole premise of Silent Legions is to create your own mythos, essentially. So people From tables. So many tables. Yes, it's an OSR-style game. Uh, and we'll also review it, talk a little bit about the the game itself. Uh, and I just thought it'd be fun and sort of a creative write, writing exercise. And the whole point of the game was like, you know, if you know you've been playing too many Cthulhu games, when you recognize a star vampire, because oh, invisible sucked blood out, multiple suction wounds. Ah, we we know what to do. Get the elder signs of dynamite out. We'll be fine. <laughs> uh, so that's to help break up that. Uh, if only someone had written a book of scenarios designed yeah. exclusively for that, <laughs> that would. Was available for purchase, or even not for purchase, yeah. just for free. Pay what you want, yeah. No. Yeah, if only well, someone I mean, had done it would that. have to be in a very dark and depressing po- point of history. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, uh, man, economically depressed. Blazing trails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, keep pulling those strings there, Puppet Master. Uh, see how well that works out for you. So, uh, first off, we have a bit of news, of course. Um, there For the RPPR Patreon backers, uh, I thought of a new benefit for those at the $10 level and higher. Uh, and that will be, uh, we have... Too many APs. We have an embarrassment of riches, and the uh, we the, the campaign you know and the cycle has been campaign A, campaign B, one shot, and the campaigns obviously have to go in order because we're not in non-linear time yet. Uh, but the one shots, uh, they're sort of up to me what what to post first. Uh, but uh, we have <laughs> they're totally up to you. They are, and you are capricious. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. It's just but uh, somebody runs a game is like I'm posting that next week. Yeah. Like. That was my first game. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's nice. That's cool. We have a really quick turnaround yeah. time. Nope. <laughs> nope. That's not how the other games went. <laughs> well, there's a backlog. So uh, right now, I will create a list of the current one-shots, uh, best of the one-shots, I think, that we have in the queue right now. Uh, there's like eight of them, and uh, you guys will get to vote on which one will be posted next. Uh, we have... Uh, everything from Trail of Cthulhu, uh, a British uh, 1930s Agatha Christie style mystery. That's my vote. Uh, I'm the, not giving you any money. Yeah. But. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, there's also Caleb ran the plays of thing where we did Macbeth uh, with a <laughs> bounce. Don't vote for that. <laughs> with a bouncy castle, among <laughs> other changes, slight creative changes. Uh, there. Uh, bouncy castle upon Inverness. There. There. Yes. On uh, the moors. <laughs> on the moors. Because it floats. <laughs> uh, Dungeon crawl class. Uh, there's another peasant meat grinder uh, with Sean and Ann. Sean was so happy to have his peasants. He he ran his characters out to get murdered. Like, <laughs> why would you do anything else? <laughs> well, exactly. He got the spirit of the game. 
so I think a few more survived than last time, than the first I like one. The but the Sean wa- character, I like the cut of his jib. <laughs> uh, so I will post uh, the list of them, and you guys will get to vote. Uh, I will tally the votes when I'm about to post the next game, and that the one that gets the most will win. And in case it ties, I will roll a die. So uh, <laughs> that's how that will work. Um, so that's uh, a new benefit for you guys. Uh, and of course, we've been doing after hours episodes. I nearly drove. Aaron mad with the latest one. Yeah, uh, he was channeling some Caleb rage there. <laughs> yes. Uh, Dead Earth is a terrible game, and I inflicted quite a bit of it on him. Uh, I've just uh, descended into Graphomania. Yeah. I did post that as the art for... Uh, as well you should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you need, you, need to, you need to be a backer to, to uh, <laughs> check that out. Um, in other news, I will be going to Comic Palooza for Memorial Day weekend, which is in Austin, Texas. And... Um, uh, I will be running two Base Raider demos. You can go to their website and find out exactly when. One's on Thursday, one's on Friday. Uh, uh, so, and I'll be selling copies of my book. You can go by my booth and harass me. That's Bass Raiders? Yes. The Cl- fishing RPG? Yes. It, uh, it, it's set in that giant pyramid in Memphis where Bass Pro is set up. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that? Like they, they, the, their altar, their temple to uh, fishing. How great is that if you see that in the post apocalypse Just a giant temple that, with a lake inside? I'm kind, of, I'm kind of pissed that it is in Memphis. This is where the old one. If it was in the Lost, like that would have to be like some enclave or like zombie hell apocalypse well i don't know yeah i'll probably write in the book just flip yeah flip it just move it over (laughs) east coast is gone now (laughs) uh it was the best pro that was ground zero so uh (laughs) um and so finally also in base raiders news a boiling point is nearly done uh the book i'm just waiting for a proof copy from drive through rpg as soon as i can get that and look it through i will prove it and send out coupons for everybody who backed it uh the pdfs and then i will start working on the stretch goals well i've already started on them but you know, focus more on that rather than getting the main book done. So, because I have limited time in the day. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, because Sparkles, I've worked on. I'm about halfway done with that. So that I know you guys are looking forward to. Caleb, you're shaking your head. I, I'm not looking forward to. Sparkles. <laughs> there will have to be a one shot about. Why that. would you pay to have Sparkles in your game <laughs> when he's normally not in your game? I, I don't. I don't get that. Yeah, well, yeah, I'll, I'll keep that in the focus group, uh, focus group notes. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, uh, let's get on to Silent Legion. So, uh, Silent Legions uh, is a horror role playing game, and by Kevin Crawford, uh, and it's the whole premise of this is that again, as I mentioned earlier, that you know, Cthulhu is great, but everyone knows it everyone knows the ins and out everyone oh that's the necronomicon that's divermus mysterious and you had to kill oh we need elder signs and dynamite so uh this is to shake things up uh by creating way easily to create your own mythos your own pantheon of evil gods your own cults uh your own dimensional shadow realms alternate universes uh and other fun little bits uh all with a very simple sort of old school renaissance style game stapled onto it but the 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 rolling the random tables are easily usable in any horror game i mean like you don't there's yeah, yeah are we reviewing it now Is well yeah well, i mean we should talk a little bit about the game itself well it's a really pretty book um it's i think it's really well put together and excellently laid out yeah uh, i also think it's really well written 
Um, there's great art in it that he, much of which he has registered as public domain, hasn't he? Or Creative Commons. Uh, yeah, there are, there, it's Creative Commons, but you can't use it for commercial products. You can get art packs, download art packs from uh, Drive Through RPG with the interior artwork. For yeah, which so. I think is a cool thing to do. Oh, yeah. Um, I really like the aesthetic of like Lovecraftian, as in it doesn't have to be from Lovecraft. It could be like it. Uh, obviously, that's up, up my wheelhouse. Um, I personally would not choose to play the game part of it using the mechanics because I think they're a little archaic and I also think there's stuff that does horror better. So I would rather play this in like Nemesis or Unknown Armies or uh, Trail or even just straight up Call of Cthulhu uh, because there's like class systems. Yeah. uh, You know, stuff that I don't really think fits very well at all. There's feats. Yeah. Stuff that I don't think fits at all in a horror game, but maybe that's just my prejudices. But it's well worth a buy because that's the system is legit like 15 to 20 pages of it. And everything else is, yo, dude, I heard you like random roll tables. So I put random roll tables inside your random roll tables, inside your random roll tables. And they are all awesome and very well done. Uh, yeah, just a few notes. Um, Kevin, in the beginning of the book, uh, in explaining the rules, the rules of the game, uh, while the framework of the system is drawn from certain classic role-playing games of the 70s and early 80s, you'll find these some systems compatible with Stars Without Number, a sci-fi game, mm-hmm. um, Other Dust, which I'm actually not familiar with, and Spears of Dawn, which is like an African-themed uh, D&D-type game. Uh, all of Sin Nominee's games that provide additional options for evening games. So this is part of like he... It's part of his line. Yeah, yeah it's part of his game line. So, um, but I think our basic thesis for this essay is this episode is that it's worth buying and or at least looking at. Yeah. Uh, regardless of what system you intend on playing something. Uh, one also note is that it's Silent Legion works with several different styles of gaming, but has built been built specifically to support sandbox gaming. Rather than designing particular story arcs, Silent Legion gives the game master the tools they need to build a world of mystery and terror for the players to explore. So the players choose what they want to explore, and then you use the tables to generate that content. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, later in the book, there's like D10 escape tables. Like you need an escape scene. There's D10 yeah. respite scenes. So you yeah. don't want your characters to die. So let them rest. Roll a D10. How do they rest? Like, yeah. It is very much uh, planted. Poorly. On, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is very much planted on the fly and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um... Uh, Challenge scenes for specific character classes. Yeah. Which character classes are like tough, investigator, social. Like, it's pretty broad that you could... Yeah, very easily. Without Uh, actually picking a class. uh, Very easily. There's no corgi barbarians in it. (laughs) But you could add that in. Six out of ten, no corgi barbarians. (laughs) You could easily add that in. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, run the type of game that you want to. Yeah. uh, But never go full risks. I mean, you know that. (laughs) Never go full risks. Um, So, for that... um, I generated, I focused on creating a few things and then kind of figuring out a backstory, which I had in my head I didn't like fully uh, write up. But I ha- I could explain what the the alien and the cult that uh, that worships them uh, does. But like you, you rolled some things. So- I randomly generated everything yeah. and wrote nothing. And wrote nothing. It's a different so approach. So I have so. seven pages <laughs> of things I randomly rolled for and figured I'd just come up with it on the fly. All right. So why don't we start with that? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. Or do you thanks. want me to start with mine? My brief was not complete, <laughs> is what I want you to know, <laughs> listeners. I was told, roll a bunch, and yeah. by God, I did. All right. Uh, so there. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I rolled an entire pantheon of gods. Oh, oh, wow. Ross. All right. Uh, so, uh, what you do in this, if you have Silent Legions, is that you roll, uh, a 1d4, and then that determines the number of dice you roll to determine the number of gods in your pantheon. So if you don't like dice rolls telling you to roll different dice for different rolls, uh, you are in the wrong book, sir. Yeah. There's much of that. So I rolled my 1d4. I got 2d4 divided into two pantheons that are at war. Oh, So then I rolled six gods. So now I have two holy trinities uh, (laughs) of horrible nightmare gods. Uh, And it just arranged itself nicely. Um, I got Pantheon Traits, so there's a D20 for that. Another thing this book likes to do is to make lots of random roll tables, but it puts them on the same adjacent pages, Mm -hmm. and they like to vary the number of dice. So sometimes you'll have D8s and D8s, but more likely you'll have a D8 table, a D10 table, a D12 table, a D20 table, a D4 table, and you just like use a hammer and break a chess X set and see what comes out. Um... (laughs) That's basically, and it's cool because you can yeah. just roll a big pool of dice. And that's yeah, good they also like roll a d6. Oh, now roll a d8 to cross reference your results. Yes, <laughs> which I like. Uh, yeah, so uh, I got four runners, uh, and the gods are not yet fully born and will usher in a new age. So I figure if I have two pantheons, there's old gods and new gods, classic, yeah. and they're at war. Uh, so I haven't figured that out yet. So then I rolled for names, which is at the back of the book, and is insane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you first off, you roll a d10 to like get your name structure. So my new gods, which is all I'm calling them. Uh, first one I got name. Mm-hmm. It's just the name. Then I got syllable, syllable name uh, <laughs> by apostrophes. And then I got name, name. So it's got two names. Whereas the old gods are syllable, syllable, that's it. <laughs> name, name, and name, name. Uh, so then you roll for a D6 plus one, the number of syllables in the name. And I crit failed this because I got like a billion sixes. So then they give you a table of just endless syllables. Yeah. Nonsense syllables. You could do all consonants if you want to try and pronounce yeah. it. I stuck to vowels because I didn't want to go too far into yeah. unpronounceable stuff since I was just going to read this on air. Yeah. Um, and I got some crazy fucking names. So I got uh, Bohahop, um, my favorite, Lutha Chaholgikwatulyig, uh, and Go Ligquathoyo. Those are all my uh, new gods. The new gods, all right. And then I got the old gods, Et Do. Et Do. That's it. Nice. Like that one a I lot. Get, no, that's a good one. Uh, Azago Bohikuosovor. Yeah. Uh, and then Ogzalosu, another good one I like. Um, so you're not done. Yeah. You have just started Pantheon creation. So from there, you move on to giving them, uh, you give them traits uh, uh, and, and areas. I forget what they call them uh, in the portfolios. Portfolios. Portfolio. So you give them a thing that they control. Uh, so it's usually some sort of animism or something about the natural world. Uh, and then you give them a epithet. Uh, and then from there, you roll random adjectives and nouns to throw into the name. 
So Bohap is the Oracle of Waiting Night, according to the dice. Nice. Whereas Luthacha Holgequitulilig is the Ashen Feaster of Words. Uh, and Ango Liquithalioya is the Wailing Forest Ravener. Um, Etdo is the Sagacious Divisor of Cold. Uh, Azago Bohikusavor is Anguish of the Yellow Hand and Discerner of Time. Uh, and then my favorite, Ogza Losu, is the Unknowable Growing Claw of the Sky Tyrant. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, so those are all pretty good yeah. epithets to design a god around. Uh I did design one god, um, but he or it um was Lethungim, uh Leth, no uh Lethunghoi, uh the rotting incarnator, uh who had a portfolio <laughs> of the seas. Uh nice. So um yeah, uh I uh, so for me, um, I focused on just a few so I could, and then sort of fi- figure out a backstory. So the first thing I did was actually create an alien species um, because they have a lot there, and they not just like their backstory, but their physical traits. So uh, my alien species has been like they how how long have they been around? They've been around since the earliest ages of humanity. Mine too. Yeah. Uh, why aren't they known? Their major works are elsewhere in the solar system. <laughs> um, Let's see here. Their greatest remaining work are eldritch weapons, rem- similar in appearance. Uh, they're exiles of their own kind. Uh, humans are terrifying mon- uh, monsters, and they're persecuted by them. Um, but their great uh, project right now is climate change, changing it to, to uh, shift it to their needs. So obviously, that's their weapon is you know weaponizing you know, some sort of terraforming technology. Um, the human group. Why didn't they succeed? The human. Some human group banded together to stop them. Uh, they lived apart, but go among humans at, at sometimes. Uh, they're advanced. They also have super science. Uh, they have in one particular area, wherever the game is set. Obviously, they have a te- temple to the eldritch deity. Obviously, the rotting incarnator. Uh, they fear humans. Uh, will unite against them. Uh, their minions are kin or heirs to ancestral servants, and that'll tie into the cult that I, I figured out. Uh, they value debasement and defilement of those beneath them. Who doesn't? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> they despise directness, which sort of ties back. They seek to do all things secretly. Uh, and in terms of appearance, they're jellyfish-like with many t- arms that telescope, you know, telescoping arms. And they have pus-filled sacks, you know, like you do. Again, yeah. who doesn't? <laughs> uh, they elaborately prepare their meal. Um they have a wet and slavering call, uh, and they, they move in leaps and bounds and pretend to be prey in order to... Uh, Mine too! <laughs> Everything's pretending to be prey. Um, and they can move on solid surfaces due in defiance of gravity. I figure they're sacks. So, so all of this, how yeah. does this make you write an alien species? So what, what background can you coalesce from um, this? So they hate humans. They, they, they prize secrecy. Uh, and hate directness. So, and they're exiles from their own kind. So, there's some sort of arf, uh, offshoot or heretics like pilgrims, you know, only, you know, worse. Uh, so, they show up on Earth and they don't like the climate. And because they're jellyfish like, and maybe the Earth is too dry at that point. So, they want to raise the oceans and just turn it into water world. And 
So they build their uh, climate-changing, terraforming technology with their advanced technology. But a group of humans long ago banded together and stopped them. And so since then, they've been trying to restart their terraforming engines uh, and uh, work through that. So uh, I figure these uh, that's their major goal. Um, and they manipulate humans and use their technology to go among them. Uh, on occasion, but mostly, you know, reside in coastal areas. And uh, but they they can't wait for the day that all humans are dead uh, when the air is replaced with carbon dioxide or something like that. So sweet, uh, sweet carbon dioxide. Yeah. Uh, but this really ties in with the cult. But I'll I'll get into that in, uh, in a second. Uh, what 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 else was different about your? Well, uh, so my aliens, I got yeah. a global network of underground structures. Oh, interesting. Uh, and and the reason they're hidden is because they live on a different wavelength of reality uh the reason that something happened to them was uh events spiraled beyond their controls and then they view humans as um what did it say a a fine host for larvae and other (laughs) offspring is what i rolled uh so then i rolled their appearance and they're like flappy swollen radial symmetry eels with acidic spit and no heads and i'm like okay so they they delved too dark and deep, uh, phased themselves out of reality. They can only come in for pieces at a time. Uh, they can control humans to some weed. So uh, their wombs, which were humans before they got poured into other realities, you know, grew out of control. So do the full Lovecraft like you were alien tools once. Right. Uh, so they're trying to get back. But the thing is, the more they uh, breed within the wombs yeah. the 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 uh, surviving bloodlines can last longer and longer in our reality so they're trying to breed themselves back into our reality cuz subsequent t- genealogic timelines of crazy otherworldly worm spitters <laughs> uh can last longer in like hard reality than the other ones so that's why they're phasing in and controlling us to eugenically place themselves back in our reality as rightful rulers of the earth. Uh, so that, that was my thought. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I like that. Um, but I, yeah. I did not incorporate everything into yeah. the, uh, from the random roll table. Cause I think that's one thing to note on a silent legion. Yeah. Take the evocative stuff and leave the rest or change it. Yeah, if you get because if you try and do everything at once, it's going to be exhausting. Yeah, and look for. I mean, it's okay to like you don't have to religiously follow the roles too. Like I know for my cult, I uh, changed one role I think because I thought it was more appropriate. Uh, certainly, so the cult um, that uh, I love the naming generator for this too because there's a naming generator for it uh, as well, and mine was Object Laud. Uh, like laudatory and master, uh, so it was vision of the benevolent queen uh, is the name of my cult. And I had hand of the ancient master. Ooh, which sounds like a kung fu school. Uh, it does, <laughs> or sequel to Manos, hands of faith. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, my cult, uh, the vision has been uh, around since ancient times. Very old, uh, founded by a scientist or artisan who had unearthly machines, uh, which obviously ties into the uh, aliens that I have because they they like their super science too, um, and they inter. I think this is the thing I, I changed. I had them interbreeding with the alien entity because jellyfish with multiple arms can't really go among humans that well. So obviously, there's some hybrids that but they can sex them up real yeah, good. Exactly. Um, 
Let's see here. But their own, uh, they fell because of internal strife. They had a lot of internal strife in their early history, uh, which also ties into the values of the aliens because the aliens hate directness and prize secrecy. Um, and their recruits were early peasants, so this was sort of a proletariat party. Um, but the and they were popularized early on because of corruption in a faith drew many to this new um, uh, cult. So obviously in ancient times there was a drought or something like that and the peasants were wowed by the one artisan who built the, a rain-making machine uh, and they started worshipping that, I would imagine. Uh, they meet in caves and tunnels or they met in caves and tunnels in ancient times uh, and they are coldly rational. They are only in it to win it, you know, in it for their own benefit. Uh, which also, you know, kind of uh, ties with the... Uh, um, Aliens, and today they meet in an art gallery or someplace with a special occult reference. And I love things. One of my favorite tables of this um, cult thing is like, what's different about the cultists physically? Like, what's mm-hmm. something they do? And it says they're unable to see certain objects, or they're unable to see objects of a certain color. <laughs> Which actually, I figured not only that, uh, change that a little bit and make it to where they, they those objects are intangible to them. So you could have, and this could be the way that their entrance to a secret door. So you could have like a big red painting of a queen in the art gallery, but to the cultists, it's invisible and they can walk through it because they're cultists. And that's how they, they know that cultists is real now because you can walk through the queen. That's mm. the vision of the benevolent queen. Nice. So... Um, I, I like that kind of twist to it. So it's like a hidden level in Bloodborne. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, they're controlled by twisted love, uh, family ties. Uh, so obviously, in with well, that interbreed, what a bone of jellyfish. Yeah, exactly. That seems legit. Uh, and that could also explain why they can't see objects. Stop of kink a cer- shaming them. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that's why genetically they can't <clears throat> see objects of a certain color. Uh, they're governed by a council of priests that are constantly infighting with each other. So there's a lot of internal strife. Uh, the cult's goal, uh, goal, though, they're probably pretty decadent, so they just want money. They just want wealth. But here's the thing that really ties this whole thing together. It makes it a campaign. <laughs> this okay. particular one. What is, what is their advantage? What is their special, unique advantage? They have control over media and the newspapers. And so, remember, the aliens want climate change. So this <laughs> is the Koch brother cult <laughs> that is trying to deny climate change. It's like, no, keep pouring shit into the atmosphere. <laughs> Well, you know, we can't get our eldritch super terraforming tech to work, so we'll just, you know, approximate it with crappy Earth tech. So, uh, I figure. Um, their important NPC is a mad sorcerer with uh, sorcery, uh, obviously. Um, and their petty NPCs are am- a- ambitious young academics. Obviously, those uh, uh, scrubs writing uh, climate-changing denial uh, papers for uh, uh, various newspapers. Um, so I figured that, see, that's the campaign, you know, is like, uh, you, it's about perception and secrecy in a lot of ways, you know, like there's this, they, the way they can perceive certain things and the way, um, they use the media to control people and they can't see objects and the, the aliens themselves are so addicted to secrecy and infighting that they can't get their shit together to, you know, wipe us all out. Thank God. And so that's how humans have a chance is we can unite against them uh, and be direct and just, you know, get the the lynch mob started with the torches and pitchforks uh, and, you know, burn down the art gallery. So nice. um, That's, that's sort of what I was thinking of, but so my call was kind of similar. Uh, I rolled some, you know, ancient days. I had a scholar that learned too much and spoke too widely. 
they were once they once destroyed an organization of investigators, all that kind of stuff. Uh, their problem is being branded as heretics, and their early recruits are the ruling class, mm. uh, desirous of more power. Uh, and their motivation is famine and hunger builds the cult. So I assume that as like famine and hunger of like a metaphorical sense because they're ruling classes. Yeah. Um, so the manifests is different than the roots. Uh, so I got stuff like um, uh, they meet in the backs of clubs, bars, and social venues. They're largely rational, but they have demented needs. Uh, they require something unwholesome for nourishment, uh, which writes itself. Uh, they control members with blackmail, like so blood in, blood out kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, they have a high priest and lieutenants, but their craving, and this is what really got me thinking, was the destroying another cult or its parent group. So I'm thinking my cult is like, since I have old gods and new gods, Vatican yeah. I and Vatican II. <laughs> so uh, the hand of the ancient master worships Ogzalosu, yeah. the uh, unknowable growing claw of the sky tyrant, which is a very much, um, it's like an old, old testament interpretation of the Bible. So that's why they were persecuted by members of the church. They think that... Uh, God doesn't love you. God didn't send anyone to help you. God is a Very unknowable Gnostic. growing hand coming to destroy you from the sky, and you must uh, show him that you have strength and destroy others for it. And it's all about blood. All, all very old school. But I, I think that new members of the uh, hand of the aged master are really, really worshiping uh, Luthah, the ashen feaster of words, who has destroyed the meaning of their texts. Uh, because uh, Lutha destroys meaning. He's like the opposite of uh, Nautilus that I wrote in Revelations, who makes meaning from words. He he exists as a postmodern monster. His entire focus is to destroy the meaning of words and just make so them, like a pony pool kind of thing. Yeah, just make them yeah. meaningless sounds. So uh, Lutha is stealing Ogzi Luthor's uh, cultists uh, with, and so they're trying to root each other out, uh, Vatican one, Vatican two style. So that'd be my campaign string. There, yeah. there's a conspiracy, but it's trying to kill each other. So how do the investigators like exploit that to tip the balance? Uh, I like that. Uh, you know, your sky tyrant called, uh, sounds like it, they, they, one of their rituals could be summoning the fisher of men. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. 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 Uh, so you could design monsters in this system too, yeah. if you want. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I really like that. Um, I think, yeah. And, and you can see how you just even like a couple of r sort of similar themes pop up in some of these random roles and suddenly you see a campaign theme that's kind of compelling. Yeah, because it's very much cosmicism is like yeah. noir. It's a genre. Yeah. And you don't have to use deep but, ones every time. Exactly. Know? And but and also thematically, both of our concepts uh, are very different in some ways, similar, but in some ways different. Like mine is secrecy versus directness. Like, do you, can you find the people who are spreading lies? about the climate or whatever and you know get find out where their alien lords are and you know shoot them or you know put them to the sword and yours are like i think mine's very much like unknowable like unbearable likeness of it's being. more like tinker taylor soldier spy well there's that but it's yeah. also like unbearable likeness of being You're like yeah. yeah there's meaning with oig zalusu the <laughs> sky tyrant it's terrible meaning and it's horrible and oppressive and awful and then there's no meaning at all which is just a void of nothingness and why do anything like yeah. you know you have these two cults that have these differing views of reality uh whereas for the investigators it'd be like both those versions of reality 
totally suck and it doesn't matter which one wins it definitely won't be whatever version we want yeah that's true but either way we're screwed like yeah that would be the cosmicism is like everything means stuff and your meaningless or uh, your meaning is to be destroyed by it or stuff means stuff and nothing does nothing means anything at all like it's either you're pointless and insignificant or you're insignificant and doomed yeah so uh, I like that. Uh, but you said you generated one of everything, right? Yes. All I right. generated one of everything. So, uh, I don't know. I, I generated a Dreamlands. They have the ooh. Kelepot, yes. they call that. Those are the Shadow Realms, yeah. alternate universes I was talking um, about earlier. I made a spell. What about an artifact? Did you make I didn't make an artifact. All right. Let's talk about the artifacts. Um, all right. So the artifacts, uh, <laughs> what I like is that you you roll where the artifact came from. Yeah. And then you roll its curse, and then you get to decide what kind of artifact it is. So it came from somewhere, and it's definitely cursed. But what does it do after that? Like, then it can be protective or magical. Or... So I made a grimoire. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Um, so I had that it was mentioned in some books. Uh, the great deed was the destruction of an entire community. <laughs> Uh, during that they artifacted, it was created during the time of an ancient empire. Uh, it was invented by a mad scientist. Uh, uh, why blind purpose of the creator's madness, and it was lost along uh, with the maker journeying to distant lands. So if you blow the, up a community, you kind of have to. Yeah, so that's that's the <laughs> you origin. Have to leave, yeah. Uh, the curse is significant, so yeah. it doesn't instantly kill you, but it will always affect you. Yeah. Uh, the basic effect is that it induces a compulsion, which you can just take that any number of ways. No. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say that it's with my cult since they have to require something unwholesome. Yeah. They need to feast off like I don't know human flesh. Fingernails. Fingernails, something gross. Yeah. Um, the frequency is almost constant, so that works out. Um, the suppression is impossible to suppress. That's what I rolled. And then the triggers are whenever rituals aren't performed to appease it. So basically, you indulge the compulsion or it gets worse. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up doing a grimoire of the creator... Uh, I I rolled the name and I got secret terrible master so it worked out. Uh, the condition is spattered by the result of arcane workings. Um, the tenor is a terrified retelling of the author's experience. So I figured that it is a uh, mad scientist who discovered the cult of Oxerlusu the Sky Tyrant. And, and learn their evil ways. But in recording them sociologically, he oh, accidentally created a uh, meme virus that perpetuates their dark message throughout history. Uh, so in learning about, warning about these guys, basically every Lovecraftian theme ever, in being warned about the thing you're not supposed to know, you know the thing you're not supposed to know and therefore are due. Rocco's basilisk. Or yeah, yeah. The king in yellow. Yeah, or... basically. In, yeah. in telling me about the Mountains of Madness, I'm now screwed. Yeah. Even though I... May have may or may not have been planning to go already. Yeah. Um, so I figured that's it. Um, and it's also now this was a little weird. There's a form and there's a manuscript, and I what I assume they mean by that is how you find it and how it was originally written. Yeah. Like so, I rolled form on, and I got cheaply printed on smudged paper, but on manuscript I got illuminated parchment with rich inks and drawings. But uh, I really like the idea that it's just a shitty Kinko's copy 
of like an ancient monastic text that still is somehow terrible and awful. Like evil radiates from its brass clippings and three hole punched pages. Yeah. What's okay? Yeah. So uh, it's on page eighty six. If for those of you with a PDF um, <laughs> or book. Uh, what form does it take? It goes from one, a huge and massive manuscript tome, to ten, an artifact that doesn't look like a book. Yeah. And the manuscript, what is it made from? One, ordinary book materials for its time and place, and tw- uh, to twelve, an inexplicable alien substance with strange properties. So, yeah, put together, you could get some pretty weird, sensical results. But but, yeah. but I like I like the idea that it's like, no, it's you know the voyage text, but someone just scanned it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still totes evil, even though it's on 1980s printer paper. Yeah. It's still got the little chads attached to it. <laughs> like, everything's green scale, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what uh, So what can it actually do? Uh, well, it's a grimoire, so yeah. you can learn the spells of the okay. book. Or it can make the spell. You, you can randomly roll for what spells do, which I absolutely would do if yeah. you got a grimoire. Yeah. That we were doing. I may do it if you get grimoire for anything ever. <laughs> it randomly rolls what spells are in it. <laughs> so I got Dream Chant of the Lesser Gods, which perks out perfectly. You roll for names. Yeah. Of course you do. Of course. Uh, you roll for the purpose. It says it communicates with an entity. And how it does that is... A slave's mind is merged with another. So I don't know who the slave is. Uh, maybe you, maybe somebody else. Uh, it gives the form of a gift from an alien god. So it basically is your contact Cthulhu spell. Yeah. And then uh, your I have it takes a petty. So you can take an hour to cast. So kids can just be contacting the lesser gods all day. Ego merging with Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah. What could go wrong? Nothing. Yay. Um so I so maybe it's a spell to contact uh, Bohau up the Oracle of Waiting Night and he yeah. Uh, yeah. he removes memories or something so you yeah. merge with him to remove painful memories and so you get eternal sunshine of the spotless mind <laughs> only instead of uh, you have to start eating fingernails yeah instead of <laughs> eating fingernails or Jim Carrey you get a a Norbelder's building yeah which you know. It's probably preferable to Jim Carrey. Or you could get <laughs> access to that Shadow Realm or that uh, uh, Dream Realm you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't. I, I think I rolled the Dreamlands. Oh, really? Like uh, it was pretty weird. I got world sized. Yeah. It's a tundra. Uh, there's earthquakes. The uh, land spews acidic or noxious gas. The fl- plants are carnivorous. And the fauna plots against humans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's so quite I like, the dream I like, land. like, squirrels in the snow. Like, we'll get them soon. <laughs> soon. <laughs> they will feed the pines. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but the 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 uh, inspiration is medieval Europe. The society is frozen. It can only die. It can never change. There are many cities. It's at a renaissance level of technology. Uh, sorcery is deplored and despised. Uh, there are two near equal or totally mismatched faction. It's an oligarchy. They value fanaticism. They desire their restoration of the old days. Uh, attitude towards outsiders is exploitative. They are to be tricked or enslaved into servitude. And the culture is rigid, caste divides the populace. 
and I already played Sansa Slide. I had man, and I think <laughs> I was there. Like, well, it depends. There were some areas that were nice. I mean, like, yeah, but yeah, it just depends on your roles. But I, I think I Ulthar got... was nice with all the talking cats and whatnot. Yeah, well, obviously, yeah, uh, you could vacation in Ulthar. Yeah. But Kelly Pot, yeah. my random role, I think it spit out the Dreamlands. Like, yeah. I think you could get others. Yeah, the frozen ways of Kadath. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you just go north of yeah, go go north a little. Uh, you know, the wastelands around the mountain of Kadath. Uh, I mean, that's what it sounds like. Um, certainly. Uh, so, I mean, were there any other really highlights of your random roles or were those kind of the, uh, uh, no, I think the pantheon's interesting. Like yeah. if you're making up a brand new pantheon of gods, cause they're really not going to show up in cosmicism. So it's really yeah. just like motivations for your cult roles and your, um, flavor text for your spells yeah. and uh, that kind of stuff. So I like that it's in there, but it's basically like item descriptions in Bloodborne. Like, yeah, there's a deep story behind it that's yeah. you're not going to have time to read because you're busy dodging for your fucking life <laughs> as a werewolf tries to eat you. Like, oh, it's all lovely that my hat says that on the inside, <laughs> apparently. My face is being eaten, but... You could go back to the chapel or someplace yeah, to read. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. Like, you could find a text, but... Mainly, that's just why those cultists are trying to shoot at you in the game. You need to not be shot first. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, listening from this, uh, you can see that, you know, random roles can create. I mean, we we make fun of a lot of games that have uh, random roles. And there's sort of a fine line between when to use them and when not to use them, I think, is the main point. You know, Uh, I think this is a perfect case of when to use them because, like, it's a dark game. And you only use it to generate the game world. Yeah. Random rolls get comic the second you use them to generate a character to yeah. play it. I think that's the general rule. Like, so. Well, I, I mean, Eclipse Phase is a random character path that can work. Yeah, but but that's been based on like yeah. pre-existing character stuff that you can choose. Like, yeah. there's nothing in the random character path that you can't just build by choice. Yeah. And the game starts building it by choice. Uh, this is like I think you could build a very dark cultists eating fingernails and destroying all meaning or worm people or sex jellyfish (laughs) and like very gross like trying to inflict climate change yeah yeah, trying to inflict you know very gross bleak stuff and it's all random roll tables this book is entirely random roll tables but what you don't do is you don't randomly roll to find out your sky parents sold you into slavery (laughs) for reasons uh, you don't randomly roll like Dead Earth and suddenly realize that radiation is giving you the power of angelic protection or bureaucracy. Uh, like, I feel like the second you make random roll generation for, like, any length of character creation, you're asking for, like, gamma world levels of, I'm a metal cockroach. What are you? I'm a cockroach made of other cockroaches. What are you? I'm a, like, yeah, like. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that and that's the thing. Uh, the thing about random role tables is you're, I mean, role playing games. I've always said are always about collaborative uh, efforts between the players and the GM. And when you use random role tables, you're collaborator collaborating between you, the dice, and the guy who wrote the tables. Uh, and so you have to trust the quality of the person writing this. I mean, Kevin Crawford here has written some pretty solid material. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but on the other hand, you get something like Dead Earth, which is written by people who have, you know, a madman sense of game design or uh you you get you know things that are comedic but totally in, uh, unusable for games and so um not i mean the lesson is to to have a light touch and to to know the material 
and when to use it and when not to. And so, yeah, it's 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 about the quality of the writing. Yeah, right? and if your if your players are going to be random, you're running a comedy whether you realize it or not. Like that's a good point. Yeah, like because look at the character creation in this game. It is yeah. so OSR. Yeah, build this, this, and this. Do this and this. Like you're picking everything. Everything is very careful. You're building this certain type of character. You're picking feats. I don't think it's great for a horror game, but your characters are not going to be wackety schmackety do like Lady Gaga 2.0 kind of random role characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, but but the stuff, yeah, when the world is randomly rolled, that is, you like you say, dependent upon the writer and that kind of stuff. There's also roles for like randomly generating location tags for places. Yeah. I thought those were very interesting. Like yes. Places to describe places. So like corrupt clergy or... Um, uh, uneducated tags, or yeah. yeah black market uh cult beachhead uh horrific wealth yeah uh, these are just the titles terrible pact traitorous hunters uh exploited uh, exploitative uh industry entrenched poverty uh so yeah like these give and they they have like but a notice they're all bleak no yeah. there's like great place to raise kids isn't on there <laughs> clown college yeah. <laughs> yeah well no that yeah that okay be, fair enough that's yeah. a 99 <laughs> that's that's a crit fail on the location all right. tag uh all right yeah. bad bad example <laughs> um so uh you have this and like going back to like the the challenges you were mentioning earlier so you have like investigator challenges and scholar challenges and like tough challenges so like and a those tough are challenge. those are all uh, actual yeah. character classes in there like there's a tough and there's a scholar and that yes yeah. like vigil a tough challenge would be like a vigilant watchman hired to keep out outsiders while for the investigator the site only has one easily usable entrance. So, uh, or a scholar challenge would be like the pattern of meeting in seemingly random written texts. So, and you don't need those classes to use that. And I could use that for red markets now because yeah. I know which of you are yeah. intelligent characters and which of you are face man and which of you are Tom and you want to just hit something with a hammer and glare yeah. silently. At him. <laughs> uh, but he's not that t- scary. That's the thing. He didn't put any points into intimidation. Well, that would be points not in hammering things. <laughs> this or muscles. He's yes. a man of action. <laughs> and, and protein playing on his phone. Yeah. Rather than talking. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I hope that, uh, yeah, I just want to give you guys a, a little uh, break from, you know, we do a lot of game advice and stuff like that. So I figured a little creative writing exercise or creative game design challenge exercise would be fun uh, and you should get this book if you like cthulhu stuff yeah i mean surprise the shit out of your players you know like <laughs> uh make some shit up and be like oh that's a pff, king of yellow call yeah just uh, pretend it's uh yeah. just pretend it's lovecrafted just <laughs> spout off this nonsensical string of syllables when you roll a six on the, <laughs> the sky table. tyrant yeah just like, you didn't read that story yeah oh uh, it's a ramsey camsel one don't don't worry about it <laughs> you must have missed it yeah uh so uh we'll be back and when we're back we'll have some uh shout outs and anecdotes uh. and we're back i have no idea what music that was but uh i'm sure it was great uh <laughs> Because I haven't chosen it yet for the episode. Um, it's a good podcast in there, Ross. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Hey, I, it's, I change up the music. I don't get one song, and that's the entire podcast music. I'm not lazy like that. I choose new music that's Creative Commons licensed, so I can use it for free. You could be like Freakonomics and have somebody record dad jazz and 
mix uh, it over every single word. Yeah, no, maybe not. <laughs> like, you're welcome, listeners, because I don't do that. <laughs> I um, also appreciate that. Uh, so, for shoutouts, um, first off, I'd like to mention a webcomic that is actually reminding me of Base Raiders. Uh, it's called The Last Mechanical Monster, and it's based on a public domain cartoon, Superman cartoon. Um, and it's, the cartoon is about like, the cartoon was about like Superman fighting a mad scientist who built all these robots who were stealing things. And, you know, that robot tried to throw Lois Lane into lava. And of course, Superman saves the day, beats up all the robot. The guy goes to jail. The comic is about the guy being released like 60 years later. He's like a hundred years old, but he's still full of piss and vinegar. He's like, I'm going to build my robot and rob bags with it. (laughs) Uh, but his robots, are built with vacuum tubes, but have artificial intelligence. So, like, uh, and nobody found his base in all the years that he was in prison. Uh, so it's about him, like, going down to the electronic shop, trying to get vacuum tubes, and dealing with people. And it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a really good comic. It's right up your alley. Yeah, well, I know. It's made for me. But, like, it, it was nominated for an Eisner, uh, an Eisner Award for Best Webcomic. Ooh, fancy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and speaking of quality things, you want to. Everyone should go buy The Witcher 3. (laughs) Uh, If you don't own a PS4, you should go buy The Witcher 3 for PS4. And then you should buy a copy for a PC you may or may not own. (laughs) Because we need to support this. So, here's my pitch. (laughs) I know it's a huge AAA game. That's why you should go buy it. So, CD Projekt Red, their next game is Cyberpunk 2020. So there's an RPG synergy tie-in right there. Uh, they're literally making a video game of that crazy, crazy-ass system. Um, reason the two. Uh, so it's a AAA project. You may not have played The Witcher 2 and The Witcher 1, and I don't care. Because in The Witcher 3, there's going to be stuff in the box. Not the special edition, just the regular box. You get, like, a guide to the game. They put, like, printed materials in it that aren't, like, advertisers for terrible games you don't want to play. The DLC is all guaranteed free. So it's not like, say, Arkham Knight, where you have to spend $100 to get the game (laughs) instead of $60 where you get the pieces of the game they didn't chop off and keep away from you. Uh, It is... so free DLC, that's amazing. They've already released review copies, so you don't have to wait till day four or buy it on launch day and be pissed when everybody comes out four days later and tells you it sucks <laughs> because they're already there. You can go to GameStop, you can go to IGN, you can go to any number of actual trustworthy YouTube reviewers and see what they think of it. Uh, and why aren't you buying this game? Like we, These are the only people doing things right. Uh, yeah. If they wanted to give you a demo of it, it would just be a demo. They wouldn't make you pay for it and then wait forever for a game which may or may not return. Uh, it's not on Steam Greenlight, so it's not some random piece of hate crime that someone put up without any review process. Uh, it's, it, is, uh, it is everything in the gaming industry that needs to be supported by money, except for the fake girl tits and fan service so yeah there's a there's lot of the sexism. horrible sexism yeah but let's face it that's in all those other games that are screwing your wallet over too let's go one at a time so <laughs> the reason i want to play the witcher distant five or six is like actually want to play the game i like the thought of hunting monsters i'm going to be playing it when sarah walks in or there's going to be a bunch of 
computer titted girls running around the screen and it's gonna be awkward and i'm gonna feel bad about myself and i'm gonna wonder why they did that when they didn't have to because it's gonna be superfluous and it's gonna be totally unnecessary to story i know this going in because i played the second one but i mean come on like even they acknowledge women exist better than the latest assassin's creed which you couldn't play one yeah because girls can't stab people too uh you know like there's ubisoft and ea and then there's these guys and if you're gonna give money to somebody you should give it to these guys because i haven't even played it yet but like if it was paint drying simulator 18 and it was a triple a game and they released it with like actual sane business practices that aren't like akin to selling housing to polish workers in the meatpacking district of turn of the century chicago uh like they actually are a polish uh, development team <laughs> exactly yeah. they know how that feels <laughs> and they don't want to do it to you so uh like i don't know I do tabletop gaming stuff, and I read a lot about video games at the same time, and I'm one of the only people in RPPR who's ever heard of a console, so... uh, (laughs) Sorry! I like to... I would like to support somebody who's not doing the terrible shit that has ruled the entire gaming industry for years now, and I find it just remarkably refreshing that they're not doing that. I've heard the novels that they're based on are pretty good, but there's only a few English translations available. Like, they're originally Polish novels, too. Yeah. um, No, I find The Witcher's World to be, like, a little too intense, because it's so based on the novels. Yeah. And they're like, Nilfgaard and the Age of Cafilofax and the (laughs) Holdebardenberg. A lot of world building. A lot of proper nouns that I don't know. But they're fun to play. It's a Tolkien name generator. Yeah, they're fun to play, and it's open world, and I don't have to go into the cities where horrible sexist stereotypes are going to be thrown in my face. I can go in the woods and kill horrible freak monsters for money. Hey. That's going to be my game. Because you're American, and violence is better. (laughs) Well, I mean, they're not even humans. Uh, I don't have to kill humans if I don't want to. You're othering God, yeah. I probably will talk my own around it. Let's face it, it is an RPG. Yeah. I'm probably going to mash my speech skill if they give that option. (laughs) Sword fighting, mm, rhetoric to the max. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I want to mention another video game that's coming out, another RPG, actually, that's just come out, uh, Chroma Squad, uh, which was early access, I believe, but it's been normally fully released. Uh, and it is essentially your group of stunt actors who form, or like, screw you, Sentai Studio, you're business practices are terrible we'll form our own sentai studio with blackjack and hookers only not blackjack and hookers because this is a pg title but we'll fight stuntmen and like so they do this kind of interesting mechanic uh where it's you're you actually have to fight them in turn-based combat but you're fighting stuntmen or whatever but so there's kind of a blurring between the 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 reality of reality of filming the show and the reality of uh, being Sentai warriors and fighting, you know, monsters and that kind of thing. And so you upgrade your studio, like you upgrade your microphones or you upgrade your studio lights to like shine them in the enemy's head so they get a negative uh, to their dodge and counterattack abilities. Um, you build craft weapons out of like. So you use meta to fight yeah. fictional monsters? Yes. 
you your crafting materials are like duct tape and glitter uh, <laughs> and vinyl and so an alien cardboard um, and you your car, your mecha is just a guy in a suit uh, uh, so it has some interesting mechanics to it that's got some pretty it's it's a very comedic sort of lighthearted game um, I'm about two thirds through with it. And there's like five seasons, you know, five major levels. Each like episode is like one level and you have to spend money on marketing and that kind of thing uh, in order to make build an audience in order to get your contract to get more funding. Um, my only complaint is real. I put, I put it on normal difficulty. It's ridiculously easy so far. I feel I kind of wish I put it on hard just because I'm not like a challenge. I was like, oh, I have to beat everything at the highest difficulty possible. But like, it's just so easy. It's not even like the first few levels. It's so easy. I mean, it, it's starting to get challenging. So it's kind of hard to figure out what the difficulty curve. Like if it's going to get, I don't know if it's going to totally ramp it up in the last act uh, or uh, something like that. So My copy of Bloodborne is laughing at you. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> it's not Bloodborne at all. Uh, so I kind of wish there was a little more challenge to it. So um, I don't know. I'm having uh, fun with it and it's only 15 bucks on steam uh so i know nothing about this game yeah knew nothing about it when Russ <laughs> planned out the episode. but he said chroma squad have you heard of this aaron played it for 13 hours the first day of release and i'm like is it about power rangers and it turned out it was about power <laughs> yes. rangers knowing nothing about it a title and aaron's play number of play hours Got it in one. Uh, thank you, Noah, for uh, our PBR listener who gifted both of us a copy of it. I think Aaron's planning to do some raillery episodes about it. Uh, big surprise there. Uh, so, <laughs> Gail's just kind of nodding. Like, mm. Yep. Yep. Um, let's see, you got another game you're, you've been playing on your console. Yes, I've been playing Helldivers. Yeah. It is insanely fun. Yeah. Uh, so, it, if you've not played it, the basic premise of Helldivers is... Um, Starship Troopers, just totally ripping off everything from Starship Troopers, the movie. Nothing to do with the novels. Just the insane social satire of it. Uh, Super Earth is having a war for democracy <laughs> against three different alien races. Uh, and you go to different planets and you lock them. So you drop and you get different weapons and stuff like that. But there's usually like pretty long reload times. And uh, you have a finite amount of ammo. So the way you get through the higher difficulties is you drop in stratagems. So, so tr- stratagems are like mech suits and tanks and additional ammo and upgraded weapons. But you start with them, but you have to call airdrop them in using like contra codes on the D-pad. And then when you airdrop them in, depending on how you upgraded them, they will be better or they will come faster so you don't have to wait as long. Best part of the game, when you drop in stratagems... They don't give a shit who is underneath them. So you kill each other as often as the aliens kill you. And in order to drop in a new hell diver to replace the guy, you have to do a strategic in which they are also launched at the Earth from orbit. So <laughs> the map in this, like, bullet hell in every direction, you're being shot at by monsters, you're shooting them. You can shoot each other because friendly fire is always on. Yeah. There's just, like, shit raining down from the sky that <laughs> you absolutely need but you're like just ripping each other to pieces and it's really and then the entire time your characters are like screaming have a taste of liberty (laughs) 
For democracy. It sounds highly entertaining. Yeah, freedom never sleeps. <laughs> of course and they're it does. just screaming constant propaganda while they're just firing at all these alien monsters. So like you do. Uh, yeah. And it's really, really hard at the higher levels. Yeah. Uh, if you're not leveled up and you don't have guys with good strategiums, or you just have dudes team killing you. But team killing is like ninety percent of the fun of the game. Yeah. Of course. Uh, so that's like a 20-buck console. I mean, that's game. not like how I thought about Killing Floor, you know. Killing Floor is a co-op game. But you win if you're the last one alive and everyone has to watch you kill the last 100 <laughs> monsters of the way. You're just running around with a pistol, plinking them. <laughs> like, Haha, I'm a medic. I'm faster. All these monsters, they can't kill me. Uh, it, but it'll take me 35 minutes to kill them all. And if you assholes want to beat this level, because uh, you're terrible, you have to wait for You're me. a monster. Uh, it's... Hey, I had to suffer through that too. I, everyone does, like, um, but it's totally worth it. Um, I mean, sometimes even when you're watching, it's great because like it becomes this operatic thing. Will he survive? You're well, just- I did enjoy it with the Santa skin. Yeah, I came in one time and Santa was <laughs> fighting the monsters single-handedly, and it was damn entertaining. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, the, it was if uh, the Santa was like the alcoholic. Santa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that he was what yeah. he took him down. Oh, of course. Um, uh, I would like to mention a couple other things. Uh, drum and bass radio. It's a, a streaming station that plays drum and bass radio. You know, drum and bass music. It's good to listen to when you're you know writing or something like that. Um, and then of course the Milkwood uh, trilogy. Milkweed. Huh. Milkweed. Milkweed, sorry. Yeah, milkweed. Yeah. Um, I finished the last two novels of it, uh, Colder War and Necessary Evil. Uh, you're, you're on... I'm most of the way through Necessary Evil. Yeah. Uh, book two and three, the first one uh, that we did uh, was Bitter Seeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I reviewed it a while ago. I finally got ar- ar- around to list- or reading the, the last two books. Uh, highly worth it, uh, in my opinion. Really genre premise with a yeah. very literary execution. Lots of good World War II era tradecraft. Uh, uh, lots, very well researched. Yeah. Um, and it's not like fan service either. It's not like big knockdown drag out fight scenes that you no. think you'd see. But like the fight scenes are brutal and heinous. Oh man, they get so and, brutal. And like the the uses of the powers and the stuff like that. The great. effects of the powers on yeah. the uh, the poor. You know, you, yeah. You feel a little bad for Gretel at certain points. Yeah. So. And then Indolins are awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um. And uh, so both of those are worth uh, reading. Uh, certainly, of course, if you didn't like Bitter Seeds, you're not going to like the next two, probably. Yeah, so, yeah. probably start uh, with the first one. Yeah, start with the first one. <laughs> uh, and finally, Other Space, which is a new series on Yahoo, uh, which is a comedy series uh, starring uh, a bunch of people you've never heard of before, but also Joel Hodgson and Trace Ballou uh, from Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, and it's like The Office, but in space. And Star Trek, if everyone as a, was as inept as Kirk. Yeah, <laughs> if they're terrible people, <laughs> self-obsessed and egotistical and uh, lazy as Kirk. So yes. uh, it's been highly entertaining. <laughs> yes, quite. Um, and so for anecdotes, uh, for the red market stuff, we've been playtesting the campaign uh, for Caleb. But we will talk about that in Game Designers Workshop. We'll record an episode of that soon. Uh, so hold on for that. Uh, but we have been playing a lot of other games. And I mentioned the plays of thing. And I kind of don't want to give an anecdote of that because it's there's so much. Yeah, the bouncy castle is really all you need to know. <laughs> like, if you can get a sense of that, like, then you can see how how it would go with our PPR. <laughs> uh, but I would like to mention um, one a game that Melissa uh, from the Masks and Nyra Lothep group ran. Uh, Caleb didn't get to play it, but I know you want to play. So it. disappointed. Uh, You're telling about it. Yeah, me pictures, and I was just. Ah! 
<laughs> no, the reason why there's pictures is because she ran a mystery, but she likes Agatha Christie. So she ran an Agatha Christie British mystery. So awesome. Uh, she replaced stability with sensibility. <laughs> so anytime we do do something that would break 1930s British decorum, we'd have to roll against that. So like reading a 19-year-old maid's diary was uh, caused a sensibility. <laughs> what happens if you took an insanity? Like, did you I, scoff? Or I don't know. Like, we didn't get that monocle far. Monocle break? I, I, I actually, oh, I rolled monocle break! <laughs> no! I didn't ask. Um... So I think maybe you confessed to whatever you were doing, because that's how we got the bad guy. We won. We got all the evidence. We got the bad guy to confess. And oh, yeah, parlor scene. Yeah, and parlor scene. No, you there never was... actually have to do There's any no police fighting. work. They just give up yeah. once you show them their crime. Yeah, no, that's exactly what happened, and it was great. Uh, it was set in Brighton Lodge uh, in East Sussex, uh, and there were there were maids and a tennis pro and just like... You have to warn me next time you're doing that. Yeah, there's a cork board. Like, that was the main thing. She had a cork board with photos and picture photos and names of all the on th- index cards of all the major people in the mystery, and we, like, pinned them on the, on the cork board and, like, drew lines between them. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, so I'm totally going to use that. <laughs> and we're, she's going to run more. And so next time she does, uh, we'll have to get you in then. Uh, yes. Uh, Aaron was not there for that because she wanted a Billsworth is coming back after the war. <laughs> Solving mysteries. <laughs> Being unperturbed by everything. Um, let's see here. When what? in doubt, just British your way through oh, it. Oh, British the shit out. British hard. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and finally, there. Um, I ran an online game. I'll post the MP3 of that soon. It's on the the RPPR podcast. If you want to listen to it through YouTube, uh, called Subi Reef. Uh, Reef. Uh, it's an artificial island. Well, it's the the reef is in the South China Sea, which is basically. China, Vietnam, the Philippines, Malaysia all claim the same area because there's lots of resources there. Uh, and there's vague law and there's no clear-cut victor. So the Chinese strategy is to build artificial islands there. And just like, see, we got naval person there and just hope someone will attack them so they have justification to go to war. So, you know, real stable. So they have these artificial islands like radar stations. It's really just the first page of China's playbook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, so I basically, because it's an artificial island, and they're dredging stuff up from the bottom of the ocean to build these islands to a certain degree. Like, well, that's, why don't, you know, you have all these Sarcasso Sea, like, ships lost in the middle of nowhere. Why don't have the, the artificial islands get disappeared into another hell dimension, you know, like that. So, so uh, that's what happened to the player characters. Uh, but they were uh, tempted between, you know, mysterious voices on the radio were telling them they could become immortal if they, you know, use the experimental equipment that the uh, Chinese secret police installed on the island instead of. Uh, that's what I do on my CB radio yeah. every night. Yeah. <laughs> Random truckers. Yeah. You can become immortal. Uh, for, Eat a tuna sandwich string. from the Flying J. But the anecdote, I think the best part was at one point, they see it like when they. They got into the hell dimension. They see a shipped, uh, a wrecked American ship, and they decide to go over it. So they have this little Zodiac type boat, and they go over that. And then, of course, there's a monster on it and a crazy person. They rescue the crazy person. The monster's chasing them. And then, like, I, I climb on the boat. What'd you roll? 99. Well, it flips over. <laughs> Good job. Uh, then the, there was, and then the other person, like, I will shoot my minigun at the monster. Okay, don't roll badly. <laughs> oh, you. Roll badly. All right, everyone else roll dodge checks. <laughs> I feel uh, like every every scenario at sea ends with everyone 
drowning and dying. <laughs> uh, well, I don't want to spoil what happens in this one, so uh, you just need to listen to the MP3. Uh, that will be on the Patreon. That will be public. Anyone can download. You don't have to yeah. go back or to back. Uh, get that. Um, were there any other anecdotes for? I mean, aside from Red Remark, because that's all you've been playing lately. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much it. Yeah, and plays this thing, which Bouncy Castle. Yeah, I mean, you'll have to listen to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Um, this has been uh, RPBR episode 114, Create a Cthulhu. Uh, thank Caleb for showing up. And, yes, thank uh, me. We'll talk to you guys <laughs> next time. Bye. Bye.